and welcome in welcome in it is going down wake up 502 it's your boy Rashawn Myers being joined for a brand new show here on Big X Radio WXVW Haven Harrington what's going on with you my brother in the studio how you feeling this morning my brother man I'm feeling really good man hey man look it's football Saturdays how can you not feel good Absolutely, absolutely, man. It, I, we have so much to get into, of course, being joined as well uh, on this effort by our our, our man, the, the myth, the legend himself, uh, Mr. Joe Kelly at That Boy's Good. Joe, how you doing this morning, brother? Hey, man, I'm doing great, fellas. If I got to be up and be productive this early on a Saturday, I couldn't pick two better people to be doing it with. I think I had to. I think I, I, think I lost them. Uh I don't know. We'll have to get there. Having some technical difficulties on this thing with Joe. We'll get back with Joe in just a second. Haven Harrington, now, you know what? I've, it's been a couple years since I've been on here. Um, this is actually where I got my start. We're over here in Jeffersonville, Big, Big X Radio, WXVW. Um, the sports used to be the sports buzz. Uh, now Big X Radio. Um it feels good to be back. Back in the captain's chair? Absolutely. Back back in the captain's chair. Back at, you know, but back doing uh back doing our thing again. And and I tell you what, man, um I've been excited uh, you know, since since the, this whole thing came together and, and I think that right now uh is a wonderful time for it. First of all, everything is happening. Literally everything in sports is going on right now. So we have um, a, a million different things happening uh, in the world of sports. Uh, you know, Louisville football, Louisville basketball, Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball, um, you know, pro sports. Everybody knows, of course, uh, that, that has followed, followed myself and, and yourself on all of our different mediums, um, all the different things and brands that we do. Uh, but, you know, to, to, to be able to come in right now, I feel like it's a good time for it, brother. We have so many things that we're going to get into. Of course, we're going to be taking, uh, especially your text in, uh, 502-414-1450. would love to hear from you. Um, having a bit of so the, a few little technical difficulties will get worked out in the break, and hopefully we'll get the, the call lines in. I'm not getting any audio at the moment, um, but we'll get that worked out. But, Haven, I want to go ahead and break down uh, you know, I, I figure that we should look back before we look forward, man. We got so many things going on. Um, great things happened this week. A lot of drama, um, a, a lot of um, different uh, things going on in the world of sports, man. You know, so let, let's go ahead and look back. You know, of course, this being game day Saturday, Louisville football is for is at the forefront. So I guess we need to talk about um, what happened last Saturday. Um, and you know how that translates to what we hopefully see um, this time around. Uh, Joe, uh, are you uh, on the line with us now? I heard you're on on the line with. Uh, are you on there? Can Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hmm, I don't know. We're not getting any any audio for Joe. We'll 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 take an early break and go ahead and, and see if we can get him uh, get him uh, up and rolling on there. See that. Uh, no, we're not getting any audio audio on there. Not hear me. Have to see if we can figure out the the, the technical difficulties. But um, uh, no, <laughs> like when I look back, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what happened um, last Saturday. Um, you know, I thought I had a pretty decent um, 
pretty decent handle on U of L and who they were at least offensively. Um, Satterfield has been a guy who's been known for his offense. Louisville was an offensive team that it came it came into the game last week, averaging um, about around thirty five points per game, um, and then all of a sudden. The wheels fell off. You know, we the, I've been listening to the people talk about the defense and talk about um, how this team deserved better. Satterfield's doing an awesome job offensively. You know, why can't the defense get it together? Well, the defense comes out. The last two weeks is outstanding. Plays very well. Against Boston College, the offense was just okay, but that was more about the turnovers. So you kind of say, okay, well, the offense still looked good, but they just turned it over a couple times. Clean up the turnovers, you're good. Well, they didn't turn the ball over last week. They just couldn't move the ball. Like, Haven, what did, like, am, am I missing something? I, I don't really know how to, what, what to think about this Louisville team. It seems like everything that we thought we knew after the first six games I mean, has slipped. This is the same thing that happened last year. If you remember, last year the offense started out really strong. The defense was just god-awful. And then towards the middle part of the season, the defense kind of gets it together. They're, they're up and running. They're getting stops. They're getting turnovers. And then the offense slows down. And we're seeing that again this year. The defense starts out the season god-awful, not being, you know, can't stop anybody. And now they're to the point that the defense is leading the team. That you know the, the team is leading on their defense and offenses. They kind of forgot how to play football. The execution isn't there. Guys aren't getting open. I mean, Malik has time to pass. Mm-hmm. Guys aren't getting open. They're not getting separation. Uh, you're getting running lanes, but you know you're not getting enough running lanes to finish off drives. And I think that's been Louisville's like biggest problem. I mean, Louisville like just statistically speaking, they're moving the ball, and I think most ardent. U of L fans and and us, I almost call them cracked up, and Satterfield supporters <laughs> will uh, look to the fact that statistically we're moving the ball. Like we have more yardage to NC State, but you're not getting drives. You're not putting drives together. Louisville is a quick strike, big play offense. And if you stop our big plays, then we really don't move the ball that well down the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it, it and that's that has been one thing that's been extremely weird about the Louisville offense, and that has been something that has been a staple of the Louisville offense uh, since Satterfield's been here. It, it always seemed like Louisville's offense is very feast or famine, to where they either just gash you for a forty, fifty yard run, sixty, seventy yard bomb, or you don't get anything. You get a bunch of tackles for loss and you punt. I mean, Malik has three times as many touchdowns of 75 yards or greater, excuse me, pass completions of 75 yards or greater than any quarterback in Louisville history. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like Like, I, I don't really know how you can have an explosive offense. I mean, I guess you can. You can have an explosive offense without having a consistent offense, but it's very rare. Like usually, if your offense is good, your offense is just good. You know, you have some drives that are that are quick drives. You have some drives where it's it's more methodical, and you you go eight, ten, twelve plays. But Louisville's offense has almost been punt or touchdown. Like you know, and and, and that's been play. and that's been Louisville's issue. It's like like you said, it's feast or famine. Yeah, you know, they can't put together a drive. This team has a hard time driving the ball down the field or matriculating the ball down the field for our older football fans. Yeah. 
out there and 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 it's showing up. No, that, that and they as you, and as you play better competition, and as you play teams with better defenses, once they you know they may let one or maybe two of the uh, of the of big plays go, but that's it. And then it's up to you to figure out how to matriculate the ball down the field, and we just can't do that. Yeah, Louisville's going to have – I mean, that's going to be, for me, the thing that they are going to have to get figured out. Satterfield has got to figure out a way – like, I hate to say it, and it's very odd to say, especially for a team that has gotten, you know, Tyler Harrell streaking down the field for touchdowns. You've seen uh, Jordan Watkins last week get a, you know, get a deep, uh, long 74-yard touchdown. It's weird to say, but they need to get better at the five- to eight-yard play. Uh, you know and- – <laughs> Like they, they, they do, they do, but but something that comes to Malik hasn't been as accurate these past couple of games as he was at the beginning of the season, and he's kind of underthrowing un, and overthrowing. Do you think he's getting comfortable? Like like or getting like lazy? Like you know, it's it's, it's he's he really focused in after a not good first two weeks. Um, he really locked in and really got focused in. Do you think he's just maybe getting back into bad habits? I don't think that's. I think some of it is the teams have kind of figured out what we're doing on offense, and now they're kind of taking away those intermediate crossing routes okay. that, we, that we normally feast on and making them kind of – make him go to his third and fourth choice, you know, making him hold the ball longer and making him read defenses rather yeah. than, you know, the, those quick outs to the tight ends, the quick crosses to, uh, you know, re- drag and receive underneath, things of that nature. They're, kind of, they're trying to take that stuff away – making him read the defenses, making him go further into his progressions, I think, that he was at the beginning part of the season. Yeah. And now this offense is kind of struggling. But also, what also is hurting the offense is our wide receivers really aren't getting separation. Yeah. And that makes it hard yeah. <laughs> when your wide receivers don't get a lot of separation. Two, when your quarterback is having some issues with accuracy, and throwing in those tight NFL windows just isn't what he's what he does. Now, now I will say on a couple of those deep passes, there there was at least three opportunities where if Malik leads the receiver away from the defender, they're able to run under the ball and catch the ball. So while I definitely agree that, especially with those tight sideline throws, um, you know, it makes it extremely difficult because you're trying to fit that ball into a very small window. But there were a couple opportunities where he had guys that have had open area to the middle of the field or away from the defender and Malik put it right on him rather than allowing the, you know putting the ball out there and then just letting the receiver run under the ball. And that's accuracy. Yeah. And and that goes to his lack of accuracy. And this is something that Louisville's gonna have to is gonna have to figure out and they're gonna have to kind of figure out quickly. You know, luckily, you know, we don't have like a murderer's role left on our schedule. Yeah. So, you know, you can kind of still fumble your way through the season. You're definitely going to get to six and six. So you're definitely well. You should definitely get to six and six. You should definitely. <laughs> you better get to get you to a bowl get game. To yeah, I mean, you definitely should because ACC is just is god awful. Yeah, I mean, it's just god awful. You don't like Boston College came in four and two. They look like they're a pretty decent team, and then they go up and get blown up by Syracuse. Who one week Syracuse looks pretty decent, the next week it's Syracuse. You know, you just don't. You just have no idea what you're going to get with ACC because, honestly, right now, it's just a bunch of mediocre teams. Like, the entire ACC is nothing more than a bunch of mediocre teams. I mean, I just look, – look, I, I understand the, the thought, and definitely, you know, the ACC 
doesn't look to be great. But I just think personally, and, and ACC is is down. I just don't think this is a very good year for college football. Like college football is off its game this year. I mean, Alabama's not really Alabama. Georgia's a team with a great defense and the yuck offense. The offense is um, still pretty good. Then, I mean, it's, it's not it's, really. I mean, I mean it's, it's, their it's offense. Georgia offensive pass. If Georgia's defense was not Super Bowl level. Georgia would be a very average football team because their offense does not consistently move the ball either. Like, I just think that this year in college football is just not very good. And I think that, um, you know, Louisville is not taking advantage of the fact that it's a it's a down year. But you know what? There's a lot of teams. Like, I feel like Ole Miss had a golden opportunity this year. Um, you know, when you have a guy like Matt Corral and you have the – offensive weapons that you had, if you don't pee down the leg versus Alabama, you know, then maybe you have an opportunity to win that game. Maybe you could go out there, win the SEC, and, and make a, a college football playoff. Like, that, that that's a team I felt like. I mean, but Alabama is still going to Alabama. <sighs> yeah, but they just didn't. Ole Miss – Literally did not do anything. I mean, that Alabama's first half. Alabama. I mean, Ole Miss Alabama struggled. struggled against Florida, and Florida's god awful. Alabama is not. Ole Miss struggled against an OK Auburn team. Well, but I mean, but that, but that's that's what I'm talking about. Like they had, they they're better than what they've done. They had an advantage. Like Louisville at least has an excuse. Louisville was coming off a four and seven season. They were just looking to get back to 500 and get to a bowl game. Like Louisville fans this year, for whatever reason, I don't know why they've been upset. Oh, I know why they've been upset. Louisville. Is going to make a bowl game, okay? Louisville's going to have at least six wins. They still have an opportunity to get to seven or eight wins. Like, like let's not act like they have murderer's row on the schedule. So Louisville is going to do what the fans wanted them to do, was don't go under below 500, get back to a bowl game. If, if people said that if they could do that, that would be progress. Louisville's going to do that, okay? So like to retroactively just be disgruntled with everything is kind of stupid to me. Well, no, I don't think people are retroactive because all off season we heard the hype, and you know what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. You had people, you had people in local media and local radio telling us that this defense could be just as good as Charlie Strong's defenses, and you heard the hype. You heard people say that. Yeah, that this defense was going to be almost as good as what Charlie Strong put in the field. And you start the season off, and that doesn't happen. We, hold, we heard all offseason, these guys are bigger. Well, not so much bigger. We heard they were stronger and faster. Malik's going to be a changed man. He's going to be the next Lamar Jackson. You know, all these things we heard all offseason about this Louisville team, they hyped us up. But the, every football program hypes everybody up every year. Every year, every football team comes into the year talking like this is going to be the year that they win the Super Bowl. But the problem, that happens every yeah, year, but every the, program. But the problem is <laughs> Louisville came out at the start of the year. They played a top 10 team. Louisville came out at the start of the year like they ended the year. And nobody wanted to see that. Even against EKU, these guys look suspect. I, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, what? Yeah. I, 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 no, I agree with you <laughs> that they did not come out and play well. But as the season's gone along, the defenses look As the season, the problem I mean, is. their numbers are better everywhere. The, more the, interceptions. The problem is, More though, sacks. As the season's more come along. For losses. The problem is, as the season's come along, this team looks like they did last year. Okay, but focus. Follow with me. I'm, I'm follow, following. Follow, follow with me. I will pick what you, you put you, down. You're talking about the defense. 
Okay, so I'm no, specific. No, 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 I'm talking about the no, team as a whole. No, 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 I'm you said the, the defense. You said we were told all this stuff about the defense. So I'm speaking on the defense right now. Follow with me, Lindy. They're doing that. The defense is better. Are they, you know, the greatest defense of all time? No, but also. The defense I, is good enough. I, I also, I will argue with the fact that they've played some of the best offenses in college football this year. I mean, literally four of the ten players that are finalists for the Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Year Award, Louisville faced over the first seven games. Okay? They aren't playing the little sisters of the poor. So just because of who you faced, your numbers are going to be worse defensively. Okay? So you have to understand that. But Louisville's sacks are up. Louisville's turnovers uh, forced are up. Louisville's interceptions are up, so the defense has been better. Now, I don't know what delusions the fans had of how good this team was going to be, considering the team was coming off a 4-7 and seven season, but Louisville has been better. Have they had an opportunity to be, to be even better? Absolutely. They could have been 6-1 and one after the first seven weeks. They well, absolutely could have. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you like this. What we're seeing now is what we saw last year from the cards, where the offense started out good and the defense couldn't stop anybody, and then midway – through the season, they flip-flop. Where the offense couldn't score any points, and the defense was actually pretty good. The same thing happened this year. We could score all the points we wanted to the beginning of part of the season, and then halfway through the season, we forgot how to score. It's I, and that's the and thing that it, I don't and understand. Then, that's two years in a row. That's weird. this has happened, and I think that's the problem. The other thing is with Louisville fans is that we see how bad the rest of the ACC is. I mean, no, how god awful the ACC is. There was definitely an opportunity there, and now we're thinking like, dude, what are we doing? There was an opportunity. Like, none of these teams are good. I mean, Wake Forest is like the best team in the ACC, and I would put them as maybe the fifth best team in the SEC. Heck, these guys may be like the third best team in the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 is god awful. Yeah, I mean, no, there was opportunity there, but I feel like. Nobody in college football is taking advantage of the opportunity, like except for Georgia. Ohio, well, Ohio State's doing things. I mean, Ohio big, State was god awful the first, you know, like. It, but they still found a way to win. Then you can be mad. No, first of all, they lost early. They don't lost one game. But they struggled through their first three, and that's Ohio State. And they have more five stars than anybody on the planet other than Alabama. <laughs> so like, actually, Clemson has a ton of five that's, stars. They're not playing like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but no, but I mean, but this is the whole, this is the whole point. Like nobody is really that good. So yes, everybody is looking. Like I feel like every fan base looks at this year and looks at their conference. Everybody, I'm talking about Kentucky fans and Ole Miss fans and Florida fans, Louisville fans, Clemson fans. Everybody is looking at their team, looking at college football as a whole, and saying, "What?" in the world are we doing? We could have been X, Y, and Z. So I just don't think this is a Louisville-centric or Louisville-specific situation. I think everybody's mad. I feel like everybody's mad. Everybody's looking like we blew an opportunity and we got to figure it out. And with that being said, you are listening to Wake Up 502. We are here with you until 11 a.m. It's going down. We're going to be talking pregame. We're also going to get in and trust me, I'm going to talk about what happened last night because Coach Calipari, you embarrassed yourself and you embarrassed your program. But we're going to get into that in a little bit. We got plenty more, plenty, plenty more going on. Uh, you are listening to Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers and, of course, being joined by the great one himself, Mr. Haven Harrington. We're going to try to get this audio worked out so we can get our man Joe Kelly on the line as well. Uh, you are listening on Big X Radio, WXVW, and we will be right back. Thank you. 
man, welcome back in. Wake up, wake up, wake up. 502 is going down. Your boy Rashawn Myers here on Big X Radio, WXVW, being joined as always by the man I love to argue with, Mr. Haven Harrington. Haven Harrington, uh, I, we talked a lot of Louisville football. Of course, I've been sitting in big thanks to uh, Mike Rutherford of the Mike Rutherford Show, the czar of Card Chronicle, for allowing me to sit in uh, for him during the week. We've been talking a whole lot of football, a whole lot of football. What's wrong with this team? You know, what's wrong with the world? We're not going to fix it this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, but there's still, and what's funny, and we kind of talked about it, this Louisville team could still go eight and four, and it would not be a surprise. Oh. Literally, eight and four. They could. Like, which would be one of the better seasons in Louisville football history. <laughs> they, they won't, but they could. I mean, no, they absolutely could. I mean, I, I don't know what to say um, about you know, where they're going, because I think that there is a multitude of um, opportunities out there. It's kind of like the multiverse. You know, we, we, we've been seeing uh, What If on uh, on uh, Disney+. Plus. The Marvel What If. Absolutely. The, the Marvel What, what if. if. Like, this is like literally, literally the Louisville What If. What if Malik Cunningham could complete a pass? <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of that going on. So, like, I still feel like there's a lot of opportunity out there for things to happen. So, you know, I... I, it's not being an optimist because I know that I've seen this Louisville team go out there and put up 40 points and, you know, be aggressive and, uh, you know, do some nice things offensively. I've seen this team rush the, the football. Now, the one thing that's going to hurt them, Trey Clark going out for the season. Like, we all remember what happened when Jair, Jair Alexander went out for Louisville football, uh, you know, back when Lamar was still on campus and how that, that whole defense. It fell apart. Completely fell apart. Like, that's the one thing I worry about, even though there are some young guys that are playing really well. Um, like, I love what Trey Franklin's doing, um, and I love what Greedy Vance is doing. Um, but I really like the fact that those two could be your, your your opposite, your bookend corner and your slot corner. Like, now that those two guys are going to have to step up to the one-two spots and you lose a guy like Trey Clark, who's just one of the most aggressive physical cornerbacks in all of the ACC, um, I feel like that might be a death blow uh, for, for the defense. I think that they'll still be good rushing the passer um, because Ashton Galati is now um, healthy. As long as they keep bringing pressure, as long as they don't go back to that god-awful three-man line, they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Can't, can't, you can't do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that um, – this is going to be a very difficult task. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very – I don't think that this week versus Clemson it'll be a big test, but um, that, that injury to Trey Clark, I mean, when you talk about a football program that's been dealing with a lot, when you lose Monty Montgomery and you lose Trey Clark, um, you're, on, you're two all-ACC candidates well, preseason. Especially when that's you rough. lose two guys because you have to remember, Louisville's secondary is an undersized secondary. Yes. I mean, kind of saw Boston College – kind of take advantage of that. And NC State really took advantage of that by just throwing the ball up and letting their bigger receivers go for it. But, you know, Trey Clark was so – he was so talented. A lot of times he can overcome what he's lacking in height. Yes, he's, he's very physical. He's yeah, he's very, very physical. physical. But the problem is when you substitute guys that may not be as physical to overcome their lack of height and you're going against taller receivers, mismatches start to happen more often. And that's what you have to be kind of, kind of worried about. And I just hope that the defense – the defensive coordinator doesn't see that and think to himself, you know what, I need to get more guys into the secondary. So I'm going to do another three-man front. So we going to have eight guys back so we don't get beat deep. I hope that's not their philosophy. I hope they still continue to play 
blitzing, hardcore, three to four guys on the defensive line. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like when you have less talent, you have to be more aggressive. You should. because And the reason being is that while you have a guy who – you know, seems to just be able to stick with his guy or 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 recover and make up that ground very quickly. And a guy like Trey Clark, to me, it feels like if you sit these guys back, that's just more of an opportunity to get burned. Like to me, you put more pressure into the quarterback's face. I mean, DJ Ugalulululu, uh, you know, the quarterback for <laughs> for Clemson, is a guy who you don't really want to get comfortable. He's been struggling against pressure all season. So you would think that that would be something that you would want to do is get early pressure on, you know, bring five, bring six, bring a safety, bring a corner blitz, keep him off balance because that's really been his issue all year long. Um, you know, is facing pressure, not knowing what he's seeing in the secondary, being able to diagnose where the pressure's coming from. Like, that's kept him off balance. Like, so to me, the worst thing you could do is go back to that three-man rush and allow him to get comfortable and, and to see windows and to get his feet set. Because the thing about a talented kid like that is you allow him to get into a rhythm and he's like, you know what? I got Five stars everywhere. I got big, you know, six four and six five wide receivers everywhere. I'll just I have, throw it up. Uh, yeah, I can just give it to him. Get it to him. I got it. Just you. That's the the danger with Clemson. I feel like every team has faced that this year. Is like when is that grizzly bear gonna wake up? We've been tiptoeing by him while he's sleeping, stealing his food off his plate. But at some point, he gonna wake up. <laughs> and the hope is that doesn't happen this week. You know, if, if you're a Louisville fan, like this is the by far the best opportunity that you've had to knock Clemson off since you joined the conference. Uh, and, and if you get that win today, that's something to be celebrated. Not only because it'd be the first win, but Louisville has a ton of impact recruits possibly on campus right now. Um, it seemed like last night those guys were having an amazing time. Yeah, like 11 four-star guys in. 11 four-star players, either in the 2022 or 2023 classes. Um, you have, of course, Selah Brown, uh, the four-star defensive end from Louisville Mill High School that just made his commitment on Thursday night uh, here as well. Um, so, you know, you have this guy going from recruit to now recruiter. And that's what you need. And, and, and this is what Louisville fans needed. They need to see more hope in a program. And I, I, this gives you hope. You know, it's like you can be a struggling football coach, but if you can bring in some top flight classes and people can see you bring in talent, you know, they'll give you an opportunity, i.e. Mark Stoops of Kentucky. It took Mark Stoops, like, what, like eight, nine years? <laughs> it's to, a, to, yeah, a long to get time. Kentucky, yeah, to get Kentucky kind of turned around to where they are now. Yes. But that's because he was bringing in, like, almost like top 20 classes, like, every other year. And that bought him more time. Because so people can see that he's bringing in talent. It's just a matter of time before they kind of work their way through the, the system. The only variable is time, Heyman. That that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. But no, I mean, but to, to give Coach Stoops credit, like that's been one of the big things that kind of helped him have that stay of execution is the fact that he was bringing in talented guys, and those guys that he brought in were playing well. Like, well, I know you are a, a recruiting ranking snob, you know, with the whole three- and four-star guys. I also understand the way the, the football recruiting game works. I mean, you know, I, I, I started out working with, with Mike Hughes of InsideTheVille.com, and I actually did football recruiting as my primary uh, job uh, for Mike. And the one thing that I learned was, regardless of how talented guys were, um, if they were coming to Louisville – 
those recruiting guys were had much more of a tendency to either lower a guy's rating from four star to three star if he committed to Louisville, or keep them at a three star regardless of their um, how well they played. Um, so I, I don't get necessarily uh, nearly as much into the uh, rankings, just because I I know how subjective they are because the difference between college football rankings and college basketball rankings is that it's much easier to to rate the top 150 guys because all these guys playing camps together, you can see them one to one A. But in football, it's you completely have guys, different. It's completely different. That these guys don't play uh, on the same fields together. You don't get to con- compare them uh, uh, apples to apples. And you have a lot of guys that change positions. You have guys that play primarily quarterback in high school, and they're going to play defensive back in college. Okay, so a lot of the time it has to do with the offer sheet. It has to do with okay, well, who's Michigan recruiting? Who's uh, you know, Alabama recruiting, who's LSU recruiting. And those guys instantly get a bump up, you know, and, and that becomes the guys that have the the notoriety. So, I mean, I, I understand the premise that Louisville has to have talent, but I've seen guys too many times come in as two stars, three stars, unrated players, and they become, you know, all-conference type of guys. But what you haven't seen, though, is a team win their conference with less than four or five four-star players on a roster and getting them, like, almost every class. That's what you haven't seen in any conference. A- I mean, ACC, I, 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 I would disagree SEC. with that if you see Wake Forest's recruiting rankings, like, well, like forever. Well, you know, <laughs> and they've won the ACC a couple of times. So. Uh, literally twice. In I, 2006. Hey, but they did it. You said you never see yeah, it. Like, they, Wake no, Forest recruiting is definitely they, much worse than They did than in Louisville. 2006, and we smacked them in 2006. They're going to do it again this year. And we smacked them in 2006. With, with two and three-star players. And then they will get smacked whatever bowl game they play but in. They, but they're going to do it. You said that, Even that it can't Cincinnati. be done. Has had more four-star players come to the program than we have. I mean, I don't know about that. Like, I, I, I would have to go back and do some research. We'll do a deep dive on that, and maybe I'll bring that back and clown you with that. And, uh, that's only because, though. <laughs> but, but, but one, you know, Luke Fickle is from Ohio, so you know he kind of has those ends already. Yes, with the kind of a, a more talent-rich state than what we're dealing with here in Kentucky. Yes, so they kind of get a pass on that. And Cincinnati has been better for the past couple of years since he's been there as well. I hate Cincinnati. And, and that helps quite I a bit. I just really hate the Bearcats. The, I hate that stupid cheer, and I heard they hate their stupid little fans, and, and the fact that they think that they're actually good. They're, they're a good team. I really hate Cincinnati. They, Cincinnati's that, a good team. They're, they're a pretty good team, and I, they're all whining and crying because they're not in the top four. Well, I, I do understand their issues and their sentiment, Unless you're going out there and just pummeling all these teams that you play by like 50, you're just not going to get the sympathy. Like the the the, the big wigs, the the blue hairs, the you know the oh old, you're not no the no. old man committee that is the college football playoff committee is just not going to put you in um, looking the way you've looked. Yes, you're undefeated, but you've struggled way too many times. You struggled with Navy, um, you Tulane know. Was still, but Tulane took Oklahoma to the test. I mean. Tulane must be Oklahoma. Yeah, but it's Oklahoma, so you you get a pass. It's like, ah, you can do anything. (laughs) If you lose any game, if you lose any bowl game, ah, Oklahoma just wasn't there. Their their, their players just didn't want to be there. I mean, Louisville's had to deal with that. Louisville beats Florida in the Sugar Bowl. Ah, Florida, you know, they didn't want to be there. They were Okay, now time out. They were sleepy. I'm going to say time out for Tat Leader. People tried to say that, (laughs) but that was so much an ass whooping. Like, people just knew, like, hey, but you know. No. But but you know know how it goes, man. It's, It's like a popularity contest. It's always... There's always a reason. They always give you some sort of reasoning because the teams that they believe are great are there for a reason. It's the same reason Alabama was number two in the first playoff ranking. 
There ain't no chance in hell that Alabama should be number two in that ranking. No. But you know what? No, not, not with the loss of Texas A&M, they shouldn't. No. But they had a, but they're, 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 they had a loss to Texas A&M, and they struggled against a mediocre, at best, Florida team. But they, they are the pretty boy quarterback in high school. Like, they can literally do anything. They can get away with anything because they are the, you know. They will lose the again. Ones. You think so? I, I, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. Okay. Okay. SEC championship game. They've been shaky. Alabama's been shaky. I mean, like I said, when, when you struggle against Florida, I was shocked that they they struggled with Florida. Like, Kentucky was more convincing in their win over Florida than Alabama was. Like, that's that's embarrassing. Like, I, I, I'm I sorry. Like, that, that, that to me tells me that Alabama's not ready. Um, but, you know, I, 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 we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with all of that. Um, you know, we're, I guess we're going to go ahead. Let's go ahead and take this second break of the hour. You are listening uh, to Wake Up 502. I appreciate everybody. Um, we're going to go ahead and start taking some callers as well. Call in line 502-384-1450. Text line 502-414-1450. So we'll be taking your text. We'll be taking your calls next here. Rashawn Myers on Wake Up 502, and we'll be back on Big X Radio. Welcome back into Big X Sports Radio. Wake up 502 with your boy Rashawn Myers is going down here. Saturday morning, game day morning. We've been talking a whole lot of football. The pigskin uh, is going down. And on the line, we have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Joe Kelly. Joe, how you doing this morning, brother? Doing great, doing great. Like I tried to say at the top of the hour, you know, if I'm going to be up and be productive this early on a Saturday morning, couldn't pick two better people to be doing it with. I promise, I promise. So, you know, we have the czar of the barbecue grill uh, on with us. I'm super excited for you to be a part of this maiden voyage of Wake Up 502, my brother. Of course, we've been talking uh, football all morning. We, you know, talked a lot about the Cardinals and, you know, can't figure out who they are, the the, the uh you know the the two face. Uh, I, I don't know if it, if if it's two face. I don't know if it's identity where they have the split personality disorder or what's going on with them. <laughs> like Joe, what's your yeah? Best, I think it's what, what what do you think about what's going I, on with them? I mean, you know, whoever your favorite rapper between the two is, go for it. It's like the Ti versus Tip, Marshall versus versus uh, Slim. You know, th- yeah. these teams have Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. It, it seems like. I, gosh, man, you know, how bad is, is the team playing? Sean, I'm going to call you out. When you just stand up off my couch and say, nope, not doing this on my Saturday night. It's my <laughs> birthday. I'm going out. Legit. That, that actually happened this past week. Wow, watching the NC State game, it was my birthday weekend, and I just couldn't deal with it. I had to go ahead and just set Louisville <laughs> football down and just move on with the rest of life. <laughs> Growth. Hey, I know. Hey, I'm, I'm, that I, is gross. I promise, because that's not, definitely not not been me much. But you know what? Sometimes, Joe, you gotta know what's good and what's bad for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sure no, words have never been spoken. I promise. I promise. But now, now let me ask you, because I know you said we were ta- chatting during the break. Um, you know, and you said that you had some 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 nice some thoughts. We've been talking about the college football playoff committee and kind of talking about the fact that. 
there's pretty much no one good, and the only team that seems to be taking advantage of it's Georgia. Uh, wh- what do you think about everything that's going on with the, with, you know, with the playoff? They had the first playoff rankings come out. You know, wh- wh- what are your thoughts on everything going on with that? I think this year is uh, for starters. We'll start it off with this. I think that the same problem is being exposed to the college football playoff that we're seeing every year. It's the the issue is the amount of teams eligible to play in it. Yes, because especially in a year like this, where you say it's Georgia and then a field. Yeah, you'd like to have more teams in, in, involved in it, and I I just can't wait to see how this all shakes out because Georgia is legitimately, guys. I'm willing to say this now: they're if not the best, they're a top three collegiate defense I've ever watched. They are just wow. mercenaries out there, yeah. And they're going to have to play Bama in the the conference championship. So let's say Bama does what Bama is known for doing, which is coming out and wrecking your game plan. I don't. You then have two one-loss SEC teams that you're going to have a very difficult time making an argument to, to leave out of the college football playoff, right? Absolutely. Like, how do you split that baby if you're King Solomon? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think yeah, if if Bama if Bama beats Georgia, uh, those two guys are in are getting in. Um, you know, I, I just I have to, I, I would think so. And there's 50% of the field. So let me ask you, do you think there's any opportunity? Let's say Alabama wins the rest of their games. They lose to Georgia in one of those ugly nine, six slobber knockers. Do you think like, cause I know that the, that, that the playoff committee put Alabama in at number two in the initial rankings. Is there any chance that a two loss Alabama still gets in? Do you think? There is absolutely no chance any team other than Alabama would ever get in with two losses. But Alabama, <laughs> and and I, no, I'll be honest though, they rightfully have earned that benefit of the doubt. I believe. You don't have to like it, you don't. Have, but of all the teams the last decade plus that have been consistent, if you're gonna if you're gonna break that rule, I see why you do it under those circumstances. I think this is all going to lead to a very sad and and despondent two fan bases. That'll play in a great uh, January 1 bowl game, but they won't be in the playoff. And I really think somehow we're going to see Wake Forest get matched up with Cincy. And I'll be god-awful. And I think – and I say that because I remember how excited we all were to make the Orange Bowl. (laughs) And And then then we were like, but we're playing Wake. So, you know, Cincy, we've been there. I, I, I just I see that happen. So if uh, it does come down to Alabama and Georgia, Bama having the two losses, who do you think are going to be the other two teams to come in? You know, because the top six went Georgia, Bama, Sparty, the Ducks, OSU, and Cincy. That was their top six. So who are the other two if things remain the same right now and that scenario plays out? Who are the other two you're putting in? I mean, I, I would think that, I mean, at this point – Give me. I, I think Oregon is, is is in a good spot as long as Oregon keeps winning. Um, you know, I, I would say that that that's probably a team that I, I feel would be in. Uh, you know, the other question is, you know, can you you can't leave an undefeated Wake Forest out? You know, you just you you, you can't. Like, I mean, I guess you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you, de- you definitely you can. can leave an undefeated Wake Forest out because <laughs> when it, when it comes down to it, it comes down to strength of schedule and who have they played. But. I mean, that, that, who who have they played? Don't you think? That, that don't you think Clemson? though that kind of sets what up, ranked team that, have they that played? That could potentially set an awkward precedent. 
I, I don't know. I don't mean, you think it could potentially set a bad president not giving an undefeated P5 team a bid? No, Especially when two separate schools from that conference have, have gotten one. I would okay. agree with you. I like, like to me, I, I look at it like this. The game that I would love to play is, let's say Georgia remains undefeated. Alabama loses a close one to Georgia, 9-6. Okay, in the in the ACC champ, or excuse me, in the SEC championship game. So you have Georgia at one. Let's just say, for kicks and giggles, that Oklahoma is undefeated. Wake Forest is undefeated. Okay, Oregon yeah. has one loss. So then the question becomes: Oklahoma's getting in. Okay, so we figure that Oklahoma's probably going to get in. Probably is number two. Ohio State beats Michigan State. So you have two one-loss Big Ten teams. You have undefeated Cincinnati. You have undefeated Wake Forest. Like Cincinnati will jump Wake Forest. I mean, I mean, I mean, Cincinnati is already ahead of Wake Forest. There's no way Wake Forest has a chance. So you think undefeated Wake Forest is not trumped by undefeated Cincinnati? You, feel, you feel like the, the selection committee takes that? Oh yeah. I mean, Cincinnati went to Notre Dame and handedly beat Notre Dame. So in okay. South Bend. So then that did. Do you agree with that, Joe? You know, I'm, I I don't disagree with any of it. And the thing is, I just kind of zoned out for a second and thought, man, sometimes you really do have to say thanks for that thing that didn't work out the way we wanted. Because I can't think of anything more U of L than if we'd gone undefeated this year and everybody said, yeah, but look at their schedule. Give it to Cincy. Yeah, like, <laughs> right, legit. Like, that's crazy that, that, you know, the thought that a undefeated ACC champion would be – Behind an mm. undefeated Group of Five team, like, and, and I, from our I, former conference, but the Group of Five team has the best win. I I know I totally agree with you, but I, I would say that you know a team in Wake Forest, while yeah, you can talk about the ACC being down, all those teams are better than pretty much all the other teams that's, that uh, Cincinnati's played. So while they do have the best individual win, they don't have to go out there and be challenged by talented teams week in and week out. Those teams may be having bad seasons, but they're still tougher than playing the one team and a bunch of bums. Like, that that would be my only thing about that. Like, you still have to go out there and win. You still have to go and, and play uh, NC State. You still have to go out there and play a Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's not playing great, but every week you're being challenged. So, I don't know. I, I It is very tough. Like, expansion would have gotten rid of all of this. Oh, easy. Eight mm-hmm. games is, is no problem. Come on. Like you know, like this 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 year is a test case. Like Joe, when I'm looking at this, and I look at every team in the top twelve, either has one loss or no losses. You still have one, two, three, four, five undefeated teams in the top twelve, and then the other seven teams all have one loss. Like every yeah. every year, we get into this conversation of, oh my goodness, if this breaks a certain way, how's the committee gonna do it? It, I, and every year, it's worked out to where we didn't really have to worry about that. I feel like this is the first year where there's going to be at least two to three teams that are going to be mad they didn't get selected this year. And, and there, there's always two or three teams that are mad, but there are going to be two or three fan bases that have a right to, to gripe about it. Whether you agree with them or not, they're going to have a, a small claim. You know, and as far as the eight games goes, guys, I'm really confused why they have it. Because as a fan of the game and as a human being, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of more more games for player safety. Yes, and I'd rather uh, you know I, I understand the NIL. We've done we've participated in the NIL as main event. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I'd like guys to save as much tread as they can until they can go get a paycheck. But 
I can promise you the NCAA doesn't give a damn about that. So it, it amazes me they haven't found a way to squeeze out a couple more games. It's more revenue for them. It's more well, excitement and more buzz. You know, it, it is more revenue, but what you're getting a pushback from is actually some of these some of the top tier bowls, like the Rose Bowl, is put uh, up a fit because like they're the granddaddy of them all, and they can't have their natural Pac-12, yeah. Big Ten rivalry Got game. It. You know, game that you know. Do we really want to see that? Hey, <laughs> that's the Rose Bowl was built on, and that's what they you know, and that's what I, they want. No, I'm just playing. But you know, the, and you have so much tradition colliding here. It's hard for college football to make any sort of change because they're beholden to tradition. They're beholden to what they've been doing for the past hundred some odd years about playing football. Somebody tell Pop Pop to go sit down somewhere and let's move into the 21st century. I mean, I'm telling you, that's eight, and, but it needs an 18 playoff. Let the Power Five get all the conference champions in, well, and then the, three I at large. The, yeah, the, I think Boom. the 12. I think the 12 team, the 12 team proposal, either 12 or eight. Either, I, the, either one works fine for me. Like it, it sounds like the 12 team proposal. If they do do something, that's what they're going to go with. And just allow you know the 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 first couple of teams to get a uh, um, a buy, you know, and and I I like that you know allow the first four teams to get a buy, play sure. off with the other eight teams, um, and then roll from there. I, I like it, you know. I I just think we've got to do something better than this because this is just it's tiresome at this point. Like everybody knows there's more money to be made. Everybody knows there's going to be more eyeballs. I mean, think about it. if you have a 12 team field right now, you still have 20 teams that think they can make a playoff. Well, there's also something else we we have to consider as well, and that is the the evil empire and all this, if you will. Who's the evil empire? The NFL. Yeah. Because as you extend the college football season, you start to bump into the NFL playoffs. Yeah. Nobody wants to bump into the TV juggernaut that well, is the NFL playoffs. But, but and I know I agree with you on that, but truthfully, all you would do is the, those couple of uh, weeks that you have that you sit out in prep for bowl, you just play games those weekends and you don't necessarily have to extend it. Well, those are the arguments I've heard that nobody wants to. Mom against, against the NFL. Yeah. Yes. Like nobody. College football. Guys, NBA doesn't want to do it. Nobody wants to go against NFL. For me, the biggest issue that I have that's frustrating about college football, because I know you, the three of us are kind of in the minority in this area, but, but football is, college football is the greatest game God's given us. It's, it's amazing. And its only flaw is that parity is non-existent in it because it has the worst playoff format of any sport, any of them. What makes college basketball so amazing is March Madness. And the funny thing about March Madness is, yeah, you get excited on week one at all those upsets. You know, you get to see who's going to knock out Duke this, this year and, and, and who's going who's gonna to body Georgetown as a higher seed than they should have gotten. It's fun, but at the end of it, your bracket always comes down to chalk. Like, we know who's going to be there at the end nine times out of ten, right? College cool. football, we talked about this, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, the three of us. College football in my lifetime has had three new first-time champions. Yeah. In 39 years walking this earth, three. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that right there tells you it's a, it's a system of haves and have-nots. And if they wanted to truly make it the greatest product, I think that's, that's your solution. Now, to your all's point, you do have to figure out how to make that deal with the devil that is Roger Goodell. That's it. That's it. Hey, you know what? And with that, we are at the top. That first hour went by. Just rolled. So fast. And when we come back, 
we got to talk about this college basketball because I saw some stuff last night that's got me very, very excited for things to get started on Tuesday night uh, as we get ready for the Champions Classic. University of Louisville kicks off their season. So, fellas, we're going to get into that and much, much more. You are listening to Wake Up 502 with your boy Rashawn Myers, being joined, as always, by Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly, at That Boy's Good. Uh, and we will be right back on Big X Radio, WXVW. And welcome back in to Wake Up 502, hour number two with your boy Rashawn Myers. It's going down on Big X Radio. Man, we've been chopping it up all morning, talking a lot of college football. And I, and we are about to start talking about this college basketball team um, and what we have here, uh, both in the, the 502 with your Louisville Cardinals as well as down 64 uh, with the Kentucky Wildcats. But, but Haven did, uh, you know, chat with me and said, I'm surprised you didn't talk about this Kentucky Tennessee game it's a big coming game. up this weekend. Like, I have to speak on that before we move on because if you're a Louisville fan, you enjoy drinking the tears of the 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 Lexingtonians. So when you have an opportunity to just revel in just their in that just that their their trepidation, I, if you can feel the nervousness coming off just getting dog walked. Uh, down in Starksville by Mississippi State. An okay Mississippi State team. I mean, this isn't like. <laughs> Here comes the volunteers to town. And if Tennessee finds a way to win this game, the Kentucky season pretty much means nothing. And all of their hype and all of their we're here and all of their dreams of, you know, we can go to a, a, a New Year's Day bowl and be this and be that. All of that goes down I mean, the drain. This is a huge, <laughs> a huge game for Kentucky because the rest of the schedule, you know, shapes up be pretty well. You've got New Mexico State next. Then you have uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. That's two wins. That's then, two wins. And then you have Kentucky. I mean, then you have Louisville, right? Ooh. So, Kentucky – you know, Kentucky was staring an 11-win season down <laughs> when they went to play Mississippi State. It was, like, right there for the taking. And then they peed down a leg. <laughs> I mean, they completely peed down a leg. Their offense just they, – they get to the one-yard line and throw, and throw an interception. It's Fe- like – Fellas, a great philosopher uh, once said – a great football philosopher once said, they are who we thought they were. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, just, just to be fair, though, I tried to tell a bunch of my blue friends, y'all have no idea the butt-kicking that Mike Leach is going to have for y'all. And that's, I'm not saying that as a hater. I'm saying that as I know that Mike Leach is a hater, and any chance he gets to come pound a team, that a school that fired him or wronged him in his mind. He's on it. Gloves off. Gloves are off. Absolutely. Like, like – I I accept all of that. Like I, I had some uh, Kentucky fan texting me on Twitter last night. Said, "Man, UK just lives rent free in your head. You're just always talking about them." I was like, "No, they don't live rent free in my head." But as a avid Cardinal fan, like drinking in the tears of the Kentucky fans, like that's one of my simple joys in life. Like I, I don't take the rivalry <laughs> nearly as simple. Or as serious as I used to. I'm not like some of my good buddies that also do radio that say, man, I just have to go for a walk 
I can't even watch the game. I just have to go for a walk and just turn on and then find out yeah. if, if our basketball team won. Like, I, I love my man, but I don't need to do that. I enjoy the rivalry. So that means I enjoy watching UK when they get embarrassed. Like, that's fun for me. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. That's rivalrying. Like, I, I give them credit when they deserve credit, but watching them fail and lose is darn near as much as watching my team win, especially when they think they're good. So I'm absolutely going to be on that. I'm going to be at the game, of course, at Cardinal Stadium watching Louisville and Clemson, but don't think I won't have my laptop tuned into that Kentucky-Tennessee game. That's definitely going to happen. And I'm going to watch every snap of that game while I'm watching my beloved Cardinals play. And Tennessee, if you guys can do one thing for me, come on, Rocky Top. Let's get it done. Like, that would be wonderful. I just, I just had to say that. I think, the, I think the other thing that needs to always be remembered, no matter what side of any rivalry you're on, you owe it to yourself if you really want to be a good combatant to study your foe. Because man, if you listen to the if you listen to the to the UK fans the last couple months, man, they got the they got the eighty five Bears defense. They got that old <laughs> Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Robert Smith. You know, they got the Rams fastest show on turf. And, and don't get me wrong, man, they got a nice running game. They got five bullies on the offensive line, and they got Wandale. That's their offense. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, but that's always been an offense. Like you that's know, been an offense since Stoops has been here. It, I was talking to Rashawn I mean, that's been their the offense since how Mummy was here. It's usually one dude, a running game. I mean, outside of when they had Couch, yeah. they've never really had a passing game. Well, that's not true. I mean, you had what, Woodson, who was yeah. decent. Yeah, when they had Woodson, and they had Keenan Burton. They had, they had a pretty good passing And you attack. had Hartline. They were yeah. decent. They, 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 had, they, had, they had a hefty lefty. They had a good passing attack. It's only been since Stoops has been here, they've been literally like – no passing attack at all. I mean, Brooks, we Brooks, down their Brooks never had a passing attack. Yeah, okay, yeah. Hartline. I mean, didn't it, was Hartline with the Brooks? Yeah, I think, think Mike Hartline was with them. But, yeah. I mean, they, they've never been prolific passing the ball, except but, for under Hal Mummy. But they've been much better in the pass than they have been right now. I yeah. Mean, I mean, because right now it's been like well, – I, I don't know much better, but – No, they have been much better. Like – they have been much better. They've had Keenan Burton come through. They've had a, a Craig Yeast come through. Usually, it's just one dude that's like real good. Randall Cobb. They had him. You that's usually the Kentucky. Like I don't. I can't remember the last time Kentucky had more than one serious pass threat well, outside I, of some tight ends. Well, honestly, it's, it's hard to tell when Stoops has been here because mm-hmm. he has had a quarterback to get anybody the ball. So you can't tell how good these dudes are. They suck. Because they, they always catch. They, they all but, suck. But the running game has always been, since Stoops running has been game, here. Running game is good. The running game has been on point. Their defense has been on point. The defense is still pretty good this year. They just been decimated by injuries. I mean, they lost like, Guys, most I'll, of the defense by injury. And this isn't this isn't me taking a shot at a rival at all. You know, I mean, take I, a I think shot. I take try a to shot do at them. I've got. No, I mean, I do it when it's necessary. <laughs> but I've gotten better about not, not, you know, not not going for the low hanging fruit. And I'd be a fool if I said Louisville hadn't whiffed on plenty of kids, you know, that, that they signed. But it's been mind-boggling to me how Stoops hasn't even been able to stumble into one quarterback that's worked out. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've brought in guys that who have been thought of, well thought of, which goes back to my argument with Touchdown, the whole Wilson. quarterback ratings. I mean, they, they've brought in guys that have been four-star. They've brought in four-star quarterbacks. I've even seen Kentucky bring in a five-star quarterback. Problem is none of them can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that right. quarterback is just one of those positions where Louisville is just one of those those charm programs that have just seemed to always have a, a good, good good to great quarterback. I mean, it, quarterback play for around the, the the country 
usually is not that great. Like Louisville has definitely spoiled. Like Louisville fans are very spoiled. Like I I can't remember. There's been very few times. Like Abe Froman, I go back to as one of just. I couldn't have Abe Froman every year. Like like some football programs, that's where they live. That's the neighborhood they live. Where they got Froman every year, year in the year. And that's not to talk about but hey, Froman, but. You know, but hey, in defense of our guy of our guy Froman, man, how awesome was it that when we did have like a down year for quarterback play? At least the dude's name on the roster was Afro Man. <laughs> fair, that's fair. <laughs> Very nice. So, fellas, let's go ahead and you switch know, it. Though I, I I wanted to give Kentucky their, uh, you know, could be their last call for alcohol, and then at that point, nothing that they do matters. And that would just make me very, very happy. I will say this, though, about Kentucky. Yes. When they come to Cardinal Stadium, they're going to be hyped and ready to play. Uh, are they going to be hyped? If they mm-hmm. lose to Tennessee, I don't know how no, hyped they're going to be. They're going to be no, I'm almost gonna be hyped sitting because, on their hands. No, I think they'll be hyped because they, they, they have the hate in their heart. We saw it last year and the year before that. Mm-hmm. Kentucky gets up to play Louisville. They, since Stoops has been here, fair. They, they, they have gotten up to play us. We just haven't gotten up to play them. That's fair. Now let's flip to the other side. Yeah. And 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 even before I get in to my beloved Louisville Cardinals, I got to talk about what happened last night. University of Kentucky at home facing <laughs> what Jeff Goodman called the powerhouse Miles College Golden Bears. Hey, Miles is real. Miles College got one other receiving vote for the top 25 in the Division II rankings. Good for about 50th in Division II. Okay. Not a good okay. team. That's, hey, that's a solid resume. Kentucky was down <laughs> seven points at the half to Miles College. A team that, for whatever reason, coming off the worst season in the history of Kentucky basketball, all of the media wanted to rank UK as number 10 in the country. Losing to Miles College. And Miles College, not only did they were they up at halftime, not only were they uh, enjoying a double-digit lead for pretty much most of the first half, Kentucky only won the game by nine points. They gave up 71 Whoa. points. 80 to 71 was so, the final score. 71 points Rashad, in Miles College. I'm just gonna, I'd like to piggyback off of, off of your last two points to just, just sum it all together. Kentucky fans, I'm happy for you, man. This is why you need to enjoy the preseason and all the hype that comes with it. And if you have a good football team through Halloween, you know, with a winning record, yeah, live it up. Have fun because the sky is still the limit. But these 24 hours could be very humbling to to the Big Blue Nation in terms of, man, it's all sweet just a week ago, huh? You 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 beat Miles College by single digits, and then Tennessee ends your year. You oh. turn back into a pumpkin. Ah, <laughs> oh, we suck again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And let me tell you something, them Duke Blue Devils. On Tuesday night, like Ooh. I'm telling you something, like I'm getting hyped for Tuesday night. Like we we going down to the, uh, the, the Gardens. down to Louisville Gardens for a, a slobber knocker. You know what I'm saying? Like I <laughs> I cannot wait for Tuesday night to get here. Not only because my beloved Louisville Cardinals at seven o'clock will be taking on uh, the Southern Jaguars to get their season rolling. 
But to watch Duke absolutely embarrass Kentucky on national television is going to be hilarious. You can it annoyed me. I can't I you know what? I tried to give it hope. I, I I tried to give it space, fellas. Coming in, I saw the preseason rankings. I saw the fact that nobody even put Louisville in their top forty. And I tried to not let it get on my nerves. Considering that Louisville was the first team out, according to the NCAA, of the, the, the tournament, even though they definitely and clearly should have been in the game or in the in the playoffs. The fact that Louisville went out there and both retooled and brought back, you know, Jalen Withers, a guy who was an all-conference freshman, okay, who was looking like he's ready to step up and be a second or first team all-conference player overall. You brought back Malik Williams, probably the best defensive big man in the ACC. And then you came in, you got great transfers, uh, you, you know, well-thought-of players, but literally everybody ignored Louisville. While you have Kentucky brought in one decent freshman in Ty Ty Washington, brought in uh, another um, uh, another decent freshman in Damian Collins, and then got a couple of transfers of C.J. Frederick from Iowa, Kellen Grady from Davidson. You know, nothing great. And everybody wants to just steam all this praise on the Wildcats. And while I don't think Kentucky will be as bad as they were last year, just the need to kiss the butt of John Calipari and the Kentucky basketball program is nauseating. So let me just tell you, I am so looking forward to this basketball season because, fellas, when I look at what product I've seen on the court for the University of Louisville through these first two exhibition games, yes, I understand their exhibition games, but you go out there and you put teams down the way you're supposed to put teams down with what Chris Mack has to work with this year, Louisville's going to be not only a playoff team, not only a second weekend team, but I think this team is going to have an opportunity to challenge for that final weekend in the Final Four. And I'm okay saying it. Like I, I was very impressed with what I've seen over the, the couple of exhibition games. Of course, it gets started for real. And this new offense, Ross McMaines, uh, the, you know, the, the coach that they brought in with the international ties, um, it wasn't lip service. Like, Louisville plays a completely different brand of basketball offensively. And lo and behold, fellas, they are pressing defensively. Mm -hmm. With the depth that they have, with the size and shooting and athleticism they have, I'm very, very excited. Joe, what, what, have, you, you know, what, what have you seen from Louisville? Um, what, what did you think about these exhibition games? I feel like this basketball team has really taken the pressure off the football program. Like, I feel like everybody is like so much more relaxed because I feel like they, they, they think they're sitting on pocket aces right now with this basketball program. What, what do you think about them? Uh, I got some thoughts before I get into that. I just want to ask y'all real quick. You're over Absolutely. under, I'm going to set it at three. Okay. This is the, uh, this is the farewell coach K tour. Over Ooh. under three references to Christian Leitner Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, ooh, I see main event got those side bets for y'all. Oh, hey, you know, it, it, this is wow, man. That the, the coach K love in this first broadcast is going to be it's going to be off the charts. Nauseating. Let me change it to two point five. <laughs> we'll I'll give you two and a hook. I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna go with the over. I'm gonna go. Yes, I definitely yeah. can see three getting in there. I'm going to say over. I think three will sneak their way in. They're lucky Dickie V won't be on the call. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, talking about the the two exhibition games, you're absolutely correct, Rashawn, and and scream it for the people in the back. You can't over celebrate anything from a preseason exhibition game other than yeah, they went out and handled the business. That's exactly what a team. If we think they have these expectations, that's exactly what they should do. I'm glad that I'm not sitting here defending my school beating a Google Academy by nine points on a Friday night. Glad <laughs> I don't have to do that right now. You talked about the all the change that Mac did, and I want to ask you guys this and get your thoughts on it because I hadn't really thought about it until last night. I knew that he came into this season with a chip on his shoulder, and he knew that his seat was a little hotter than he would like it to be. Probably a lot hotter than he expected it to be at this juncture of his his coaching tenure at U of L. I kind of wonder if that six game suspension wasn't just the final straw as far as giving this the, the wrong guy a chip on his shoulder because they look a different type of focused what? than we've seen the last couple, the last couple seasons. And you know who knows? Maybe we're going to find out, and it'll all be said and done that COVID really did mess with with chemistry for our team. We struggled with it. It's understandable, but right now there is a lot to be excited about. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, like I think that the one thing that I will give Coach Mack credit for and the thing that I think Coach Satterfield from, could learn from, it's a lot easier to work with the fans and to be humble and to listen to your, your, your fan base rather than to think that you're the smartest guy in the room and I don't have to do anything that these people say because I know everything. Like, Coach Mack – humbled himself when you talk about the fans talking about this is not Louisville basketball the pace is too slow you know we need to get more guys in here this product isn't good enough coach Mack listened to that coach Mack decided that it's not good enough and he went out there and was willing to do whatever he needed to do to make it happen because and I think that Satterfield is learning it a little bit because let's not dismiss the elephant in the room he got bullied into taking Selah Brown of course he did. Louisville was not going to give Selah a committable offer for at least another month or two. Okay? And everybody knows it. And everybody's tried to kind of like shove that fact under the rub. Satterfield got bullied into taking Selah Brown. And I'm okay with it. Because he, he needs to learn that you don't rub the, you know. You can't ignore local talent. You don't talent. shun the, the fan base. You don't shun what your the people that you're you're catering to request and need. And it's not like you're talking about a guy that can't play. Selah Brown's a four-star prospect. But Chris Mack learned that. He understood that after year three, these people are at my throat. They're not playing. This is a national championship program. But There's a certain expectation, and to his credit, he did that. But it's not like the fans have been wrong. That's the thing. The fans have been right. Like yeah. all season long, back to Satterfield. Exactly. All season long, the fans been saying, "Dude, get rid of the three man front. What are you doing?" <laughs> They've been saying that for two years now. He gets rid of it. We play aggressive defense. The defense like night and day. We've been telling them, "Dude, what are you doing?" Yes, we don't mind the smaller, it's a very smart fan base. Yeah, we don't mind the smaller, faster players. There's about four or five of them, not the entire twenty three man class. What are you doing? And now he's kind of correcting what? that. We're bringing in more four-star kids, more highly touted kids, more highly ranked kids because he's now he's not as fast as a learner as Chris Mack. Chris Mack is a fast learner, absolutely, a very fast learner. Satterfield, Ned Flanders, a little slow in uptake, <laughs> but Ned Flanders is getting, yeah, he's got a curve. <laughs> he's got <laughs> a curve. on a curve, but but here's the thing that that Satterfield needs to understand. 
Okay. And I've never felt any stronger about this than when the portal opened up, you know, and it was, you can immediately transfer out. That means to me, you never let a four-star kid in your backyard or a three-star that's, that's a tipping point for, you don't let them leave the, the city. Unless they, their coaches tell you on day one, this kid needs to get out of town because he needs to get away from the knuckleheads he's running with. Right. He, he, needs, he needs to go away. Other than that, I don't want to see the J.J. Weavers killing it down in Leslie. That's fair. You sign them. If they get here, it's a football roster. It's not a basketball roster. So every scholarship does not have the same equity and value to your, to your team and your dynamic on any given season. Get them on, get them on campus. Get them here. Get them some touches as, as a freshman. If they decide to transfer out, okay, you did your best, but you don't lose the recruiting battle. That's an excellent point. I mean, no, that, that that's actually a very good point because, I mean, you have pretty much free agency in college athletics now. So if things don't work out or if the kid isn't who you, you know, that either shows either because of personality, because of discipline, because of, game, you know, you know, the achievement on the field that is not what you need. Both guys, both the player and the coach, has the ability to be, uh, be flexible. You know, you can have that one-time transfer rule. So if you if the guy doesn't work out after a year or two, he can go ahead, go on his merry way, and you can go find somebody who fits better. But, no, I, I think to your point, Joe, this one-time transfer actually should make you more willing to go out there. And the weird thing about it is Coach Satterfield's willing to take every Louisville kid that wants to walk on. He'll take hell the whole <laughs> roster from St. X. You know, he'll as bring as, the, as long as they walk yep. on. As long as they walk on, but he doesn't want to give the talented kids scholarships. Like, why is Vinny Anthony going to Wisconsin? Like, he's committed to play at Wisconsin, the wide receiver at Mayo, who is a, a, a talented player in himself. Like, Louisville's still out there re- actively recruiting wide receivers, but you have a, another talented kid, four-star kid. I mean, why would a wide receiver, first of all, why would a wide receiver want to go to Wisconsin, first of all? Wisconsin runs the ball 85 times. Every they day. loved I'm, – I'm assuming they either really enjoy blocking or they got that Calvin Johnson sales pitch. We're only <laughs> going to throw it six times, but we promise you five of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't really understand that, but, like, that's my whole point. Is like, to me, Satterfield is doing more – to make it harder than it needs to be in terms of being able to cater to the fans and be a good, you know, outside of his first neighbor. Outside that first year where he turned everything around overnight, he has struggled mightily in trying to woo the the fan base. The PR. Horrible PR. Horrible. One, he canceled the spring game. Yeah. People's like, well, we'll give you a pass because you're a first-year coach doing it your way, but none of the Cardinal fans like canceling the spring game. Like, why would you do that? That's like – that's they used to be our precursor. People used to say Thunder over Louisville was the mark that it's Derby season. No, it was the spring game. Yeah, the spring game was always right before Thunder. You know, either it was the Friday night before Thunder on Saturday. That's how my friends and I considered it's Derby. Now, meet up at the spring game. Yeah, and you got a spring game. Then you try to leave to go to USC Junior. Yeah. When you're at that point, yeah. I think what they're two and nine at yeah. that point in yeah. the season, and lied about it. Yeah, ha- handled that horribly, and then in your apology uh, apology press conference said, "You know what? I'll do it again." <laughs> like I'm sorry, but you know what? If they come back again, then I'll listen again. Thanks, coach. That moment seriously was like uh, the the interview with uh, with Michael Jackson on 60 Minutes. 
when Ed asked him, do you think it's normal, you know, to, to share a bed with a child? And Mike went all on, yes, yes. And the look on his face, he said, I'm going to ask you this again, man, because sure. we're recording this. <laughs> Are you sure that's how you want to answer this? Because we can go back and edit it, Mike. No, no. That straight went full on MJ. When they said, would you do it again? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I would. Like, I kind of respect the honesty and the candor. Oh, God. But it's also just like, dude, you're being a cabbage head. Oh, God. Um, last question. I've got about local recruiting in, in your guys' opinion. Absolutely. Before you want to move on. Uh, do you think, in fairness to Satterfield, that it's a little bit of being, you know, from the south and a little biased towards towards football, high school football in the state of Kentucky, that he can say he may be a four-star kid in, in Kentucky, but I see a three-star in Georgia that I think is better. I, I think that there's definitely – Do you think that weighs into it? I think there's a Southern bias with, with Satterfield, definitely. That but he, it's not a good that Southern bias. That, that the SEC – It's a Carolina bias. Better. But, no, that's well, that it's, a, <laughs> it's a Carolina bias. And I also think that he has a pathological need to find underdogs. He loves the underdog story because he was mm. kind of – he looks at himself as an underdog, and he was an underdog as a quarterback at, at App State. And I feel like he goes overboard – trying to find this diamonds in the rough. That's why his walk-on program, they make such a big deal about it. You know, we're bringing in 80 freshmen this year. All these guys, these young guys just trying to look for a chance, you know, can come walk on at Louisville. We got 100 freshmen. Like, he has this pathological need to find all these underdogs and almost to the point where he ignores, like, regular good football players. Because he wants to fill his team with underdogs, like that's my only like. That's why I'm sure he loves Marshawn Ford just unconditionally. Because Ford, former walk-on, is now an All ACC tight end, and he wants all of his players to be that. No, which is great. I mean, look, but you can't. But it's not realistic. It's not. I mean, here's it's not realistic if you want to be better than Wake Forest. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. If you aspire to be Wake Forest and win. Nine, ten games once every what he last time he did this was two thousand six. Yeah. So what every twenty years or something like that, you know, <laughs> you, you win nine, ten games and you're seven and five and eight and four the rest of your career. Then you know what? Have fun with that. This this you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job, Satterfield. But if you Cardinal fans don't want that. Yeah. That's not what we signed up guys, for. We want nine and three guys, and above the, on average. I'm telling you, man, I, Rashawn, you bring up an interesting point about the underdog, and I'm going to concede and say I think that does, that is a factor in it. Yes. But you know what I think it comes down to? This dude wants a job in the Carolinas, and he's going to do everything he can to protect his relationship with high school coaches in that region so that when he, if he does get the North Carolina job or whatever job down that, that mm -hmm. way in those parts, he has a relationship with coaches that will say he'll tell their best kids you want to go play for him because I trusted him with, with two and three stars, and he took care of them. That's fair. No, and then, that's And then he will be bounced. <laughs> and I, <laughs> we are a little bit late for this last break, and I say all that to say, Coach Mack, thank you for understanding, seeing the light, making the changes, and my brother, you are going to be 
um, rewarded for that this year because I think that Louisville is sitting on a special season, and that season gets started on Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our next break, and when we get back, we're going to turn to the pros. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers being a nutcase. We're also going to have our picks coming up uh, at the end of the hour. It's rolling along. You're listening to uh, Wake Up 502 with your boy Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, and Joe Kelly, and we'll be back on WXVW. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. Wake Up 502 is going down here on a Saturday morning. The Derby City, brand new show, brand new vibe, brand new energy in the building. And I tell you what, Haven, it has been absolutely uh, awesome uh, this first day. Uh, the hour has is, is flown by. First hour went by quick. We're already halfway through the second hour. We have about 20 minutes left in the show um, as we uh, shoot towards the end. So we got to transition. You know, we always like to talk some pro sports. Um, you know, I always like to keep that going on. And, and, you know, there was a lot of things that we could talk about. We could talk about Odell Beckham uh, being released by the Browns or where he's going to end up. Uh, we could talk about the fact that the Los Angeles Lakers suck, which I love because I hate LeBron James, and watching them fail miserably is hilarious. But instead – we got to get on this Aaron Rodgers thing a little bit because my man Aaron Rodgers, like, for those who don't know, if you're living under a rock, Aaron Rodgers has come under heat this week uh, because of uh, the revelation that he now has COVID and he's being treated as a person who is unvaccinated for COVID. Why this is interesting is because before the season started, Aaron was directly asked, have you been vaccinated? Aaron says, yeah, I've been immunized. He did not say, yes, I have been vaccinated. He said, I have been immunized. But he did precede saying that by saying, yeah. Which is a lie. Because you are confirming that you were vaccinated because that's the question that they asked. Now, why this is interesting, everybody's asking the wrong question. Did Aaron Rodgers lie? That's not the most interesting question to me, and you both of you guys can let me know what you think about this. My question is not, did he lie and, you know, should he be shamed for lying? My question is, did the, N- the NFL knows that this man is not vaccinated? Of course they knew. Did they make Aaron Rodgers adhere to the standards and go through the protocols of an unvaccinated person? And from all looks, they did not. Of course not. This NFL. That's my issue. This NFL, of course, they're going to protect one of their star players. This is what they do. They've always done this. The NFL always makes different rules for your star players. They always have. They've always made exceptions to the rule. Beat your wife? Eh, if you're a starting quarterback, yeah, we'll look the other way. Uh, <laughs> case in point, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, Rape gosh. a chick in the bathroom? Eh, you know, it wasn't that bad. He's a good guy. Eh, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, he's okay in our book. Like, 
Do you have your top owner flying down to Orlando, Florida to get happy endings and get caught? Hey, <laughs> it's Robert Kraft. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. We like him. <laughs> <laughs> this is what NFL good for does. The shield. Yeah. <laughs> they walk hypocrisy. This way, case in point, you're a man, John Gruden with the Raiders. Oh, gosh, this guy. Get caught saying some racist, homophobic stuff in emails. NFL comes out a week later. You know, we looked at 100,000 emails. Everything's fine. We didn't see nothing else happen. It's like no other transgressions going on with the Washington football team. And you know they're lying. You know that if he's talking to somebody, somebody had to answer those emails. So that's at least two people. But kneel for a flag. Ah, it's a bridge too far. What you doing? What you doing now? Ah, we can't have that. Yeah, we can't have that. Beat your wife? Eh. Neil? Ah, ah, what are you doing? You out of here. Banned for life. Never want to see you again. I don't care how bad our quarterbacks suck. I don't care how bad these backups are in the NFL because they're god awful. Oh, my God. These backup quarterbacks in the NFL have been god awful this year. Like Geno Smith with the uh, Seahawks. Horrible. Just horrible. You can't tell me Colin Kaepernick would not be better than about 90% these backups playing right now. The Jets have gone to like five quarterbacks in like two weeks. But the, the and, and, and Joe, like to me, this brings this is my point. Like everybody's looking at the wrong things. Did Aaron Rodgers lie? And they're trying to put all this heat on Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Aaron Rodgers wanted to be a guy who wanted to play with words. And I'm fine with that. If you didn't want to give out your, your truthful status and you wanted to do that, that's fine. But to me, the NFL, knowing the situation, knowing the time and score, and then allowing Aaron to flaunt around and gallivant, like people that are unimmunized are supposed to not go to press conferences. They're supposed to Zoom in and do all their calls via Zoom. They're not supposed to be able to go in certain common areas and do certain things. There is a whole list of restrictions that goes along with this. Aaron Rodgers appealed the fact that he was not vaccinated to the NFL and said that his immunization should be good enough for him to be treated as a vaccinated individual. The NFL denied that appeal. So they knew it's not like they didn't know that this dude was doing mm-hmm. this. But then for, for them to turn the other way and allow him to do all of these media availabilities and to do all this running around, like, where are the fines? Where are the conversations about this? Like, that's my problem with this whole situation is not on Aaron Rodgers. It's for the NFL and the Packers organization for not holding him accountable. Am I wrong about that, Joe? No, you're not wrong on that. I mean, there's a lot to dissect about all this stuff as we continue to fight with the non-vaxxers and the anti-maskers, and it, it becomes more convoluted. First of all, the jokes, man, were flying, and they were good. Like, the, somebody said, Aaron Rodgers is host of Jeopardy. Contestant, I'll take vaccines for 2000 Aaron? Aaron, no, I will not. <laughs> um, you know, and somebody else called him Throw Rogan. Yeah. Oof. Oof. That's hilarious. But to me, I think the bigger, I think the biggest thing, and, and you know, for me personally, I'm vaccinated. I have no problem saying that. I, I'm waiting to get my third booster. You know, just for giggles at this point. But you got to ask yourself if you're out there raging against uh, masks as a celebrity or vaccines, who is coming to your side to defend you? And it's weird to me that it's the same people who told. LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick essentially to shut up and dribble are now defending Aaron Rodgers. And that's not a side of an argument that I would want to be on. You know, if nothing else, that might 
snap me out of whatever I was doing to be like, wait, when Donald Trump Jr. is calling me a patriot, maybe I'm messing up. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably being the opposite of patriotic. This is this is all bad. The other thing that I go to, and, and hey, man, major shout-out to Jason Williams, former Duke Blue Devil. I feel like you have to establish that whenever you say Jason Williams because there's been like 40 yes. professional Jason Williams in our lifetime. He took Stephen A. to the woodshed about this. I don't know if you all caught it. I did not. But he flat out asked him. It was a 30-second clip of him saying, why were you, Why did you have so much animosity towards Kyrie Irving? You talked about Kyrie and his decision. When all Kyrie came out and said is, I think people should have their own their own decision. They should be able to do their own. You know, you may not agree with that, but you maliciously attacked him as a selfish teammate, as a guy who threw his, his teammates and their season under the bus. And you're out here defending Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers even admits, quote, they looked at me like I was some sort of quack. At least Kyrie's just telling people, I don't agree with Kyrie. Let me be clear about that. But if we're if we're doing a lesser of two evils, Kyrie's out here saying, I think people should have a choice. Again, I don't agree with that, but I can at least compared to just lying about it. Right. You know? Right. Well, that's and, the thing that like and, and the and the final thought I have on Aaron Rodgers, guys, can you think of another athlete who I mean, spent a good 15 years cultivating this mild-mannered personality that everybody was like, he's kind of goofy, but he's cool, and then just set it on fire in a matter of like 48 hours by sounding like a deranged lunatic. Yeah, and when they asked him, they said, well, Aaron, you're supposed to wear a mask everywhere. If you're going and you're meeting or you're in rooms with people, um, (laughs) you're supposed to wear a mask. Why didn't you wear a mask? And he basically said, well, you know, in me doing my research and the fact that everybody else is vaccinated, why do I have to wear a mask? I feel like that's stupid. So... Because when he, when Aaron went on his rant about about masks and their effectiveness <laughs> and all that, you know what I really I was really thinking of all the times for one of us to have 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 a media credential. I wish one of us were there because I'll tell you what my my response to that would have been. Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback in the NFL. I have him at quarterback going into this Sunday matchup, so I should win, right? It's a hundred percent. There's no way we lose. What? Yes. Like Aaron. The mask helps. It's like having a good quarterback. It's not a guarantee, but it helps a lot. But to say <laughs> you know, that I don't have to have my mask on because everybody else is vaccinated, like you're literally saying that the There's vaccination the works, but I don't have to get it because everybody else got it. So there you go. I don't need a mask. Science. <laughs> well, Science. I mean, isn't that the crux of the vaccine argument? Oh gosh. That that my my freedom overrides your freedom. Yeah. But you know what? If you're going to believe that, then don't lie about it. And that's why I will always ride with exactly. Kyrie Irving for at least standing on his principles, not being a punk. At the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers didn't want it. He wanted to do what he wanted to do, and he wanted to just lie about it. Well, not only that, the Packers let him do what he wanted to do. And the Packers and the NFL. That's why I don't blame Aaron Rodgers, because if you're held to task and you're made to do what you have to do, then at the end of the day, you either make the decision to not do it and be like Kyrie, sit out for the Nets, he hasn't played at all, okay? Or you do what you need to do, take the vaccination, or go through the protocols. Like, you can't just say, I'm not going to do any of them, and I'm going to do what I want to do. That's on the NFL. That's on the Packers. That's my take on it. 
That's what the NFL needs to deal with. So quit worrying about if Aaron Rodgers lied. Worry about the people that allowed him to lie and do what he wanted to do because that is the bigger problem. We got to hit this last break of the day. Um, Yes, sir. We're coming back with our picks. No, I was just going to say, I just just wanted to say, what would y'all have done if his reaction would have been, yeah, do y'all understand how bad I was trying to get traded? (laughs) I thought that would work. Fair. (laughs) Hey, on that (laughs) one. Very nice. Right. Joe, Joe Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, he'll be here all week. <laughs> That's a good one. I love it. I love it. Hey, you, you're listening to Wake Up 502. When we get back, we got a quick last segment. We're going to get our picks uh, for the week, and then we're going to get you out of here and onto your game day weekend. You're listening to Wake Up 502, Big X Radio, and we'll be back. And welcome back in. Welcome back in to uh, Wake Up 502. Uh, Rashawn Myers being joined once again by my man Haven Harrington. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty, so I'm not hearing Joe on the line, but that's all right. We got to get to these picks before the end of the show. Oh, I'm here. Um, so let's go ahead and hop right into them. Of course, Haven Harrington, uh, the, the game of the day, of course, University of Louisville. Versus University uh, of Clemson or Clemson University, I guess would be the the, the Clemson U baby vernacular. Clemson University Cardinals at home. One of the other we talked about the three games at the end of the year that Louisville had an opportunity to improve on that what is perceived to be a six and six record. Okay, they lost last week to NC State on the road. Their first opportunity to get to that seventh win. Um, this is the second win. Versus Clemson, um, what do you think about the game? Who's going to win it? This is the problem with, with this Louisville team. You just don't know who you're going to see week in and week out. And it's so hard to predict how they're going to play because they've just been so inconsistent. Um, I really don't have a good feel for this team, unfortunately. I mean, we're almost halfway through the season. And I still like really don't know, like, is offense going to click this week? Are they not? Is it going to be the defense clicking this week? I think the defense is going to click this week. I think the defense is, still, is going to play as good as they did last week. I think we will score points. I think we will finish drives against Clemson. But I'm going to go with Clemson. Until we beat the man, I can't choose the man. Do you have a score Score at all? 17-14. Okay. Um, I am going to say I think that Louisville, um, I can't pick them against Clemson. Like, I want to pick them against Clemson. I feel the same way. That Clemson offense. Like, if Louisville was able to come anywhere close to their normal offensive output, I would choose Louisville to win this game. But what makes me apprehensive over the last couple of weeks is just the fact that they haven't been able to get it done. Like, they just have not been able to um, produce. And if you can't move the ball against that NC State defense, Clemson at least has the like their defense is still pretty good. Their and they have a very good power monsters. running game, which makes me worry. Yeah, so like that that's my question. Like I know Clemson is going to give Louisville a couple of turnovers. DJ has been turning it over all year, um, so I, I think there's an opportunity there for Louisville. Um, 
But I'm I I I'm gonna say Clemson twenty four, Louisville twenty one, and all the fan, fans are going home sad. Um, I think that Louisville's opportunity for that seventh win is gonna come in the last game of the year. I think that Kentucky is gonna be who they have that best opportunity against. Um, but I think that Clemson's going to get it done. I would love to see it happen. Like, I definitely think Louisville can get it done. But, no, I'm going to go 24-21 Louisville. Um, now, now, let's go ahead and switch over. Uh, down the road, down 64, the Volunteers are coming in to Lexingtonian to take on the most hated Wildcats. Does Kentucky continue their magical season, or do the ghosts of Mississippi State still haunt the Wildcats? With this Kentucky team, it's hard to tell. I mean, if they can, if they can stop turning a ball over, I I think they'll win the game. If they don't turn a ball over, feed to Chris Rodriguez and the greatest name in all of college football, Cavassier Smoke. I think they can get it done. I think they have enough defense to do it. You know, Tennessee's a much improved team. The offense is getting much much better. Uh, but I, I think Kentucky pulls it out in a very ugly game at home I think Hendon Hooker gets it done the the Virginia Tech transfer quarterback that's been playing extremely well for the volunteers I think Hooker because of his ability to both pass and run the ball Kentucky has classically um under Stoops really struggled when you have quarterbacks that have mobility um and I think that's going to be a problem uh, for the Wildcats um, I think that the defense for Kentucky has been playing over their heads all year. Um, I think that the injuries have caught up with them. Um, I personally just think that this is the Tennessee's week. Rocky Top goes into Kentucky, gets the win, 31-24, and all the Wildcat fans are crying. You think they score that many points? I do. I do. 24 I, I, points? They can take it to get 24? I think they can get 24. I think they can get 24 at home. They'll get a punt return. They'll get a block field goal, something weird. They always score in the most weird of ways. They had a punt return touchdown against Mississippi State last week. Like, Kentucky always finds a way defensive touchdown. Something odd. Like, they always get a non-offensive touchdown some kind of way. So, I, I think that that will at least be one of those three touchdowns that they score uh, tonight. But I do think that the Volunteers get it done and Kentucky's magical season starts to turn back into a pumpkin. There you go. <laughs> um, last college game we're going to pick, uh, you know, just because uh, Florida State at home, does Florida State, they're 3-5. and five. They, had, they, they fought with Clemson. They had a chance to get back to 500. They had not lost since uh, losing to Louisville uh, the third week of the season. Um, can they get it done at home versus number 19 NC State? Uh, will, will they get back on the right track? I know this is uh, your sister's favorite, favorite program. Can they get it done? Okay, so this is my sister's favorite program. She's a diehard Die hard football fan, a die hard FSU fan. Yes. And she's only watched two games this season. <laughs> she has completely turned Florida State off, like I will today, because they will not beat NC State. I just don't think they have it. They're not disciplined enough. They're just not a very good football team. You know what? Give me the Seminoles at home. Uh, I, I, I think they get it done. I think Florida State finds a way and they start to creep back towards Have you seen Florida State play football? I have. You really think it can be NC I State? Do. I do. NC State, I feel like their defense was bolstered by being at home, but I think it's about that time. And, and I know that we are up against it. We have about 30 seconds left. Oh, we got actually 10 seconds left. Hey, I appreciate you, Haven Harrington. I appreciate Joe Kelly. We will be back next week for Wake Up 502. So glad to be back on WXVW.